I, I hit the burritos when I'm on the road, which might be a mistake. Today is May 21st, 2023, and you're listening to episode 16 of the Tom and Scott Podcast Show. Broadcasting from both ends of the I-35 corridor directly to your ears with a fresh look at pop culture, current events, and whatever we find interesting. I'm Scott, the guy who wishes he had web shooters, and... And I'm Tom, veteran of the Clone Wars. Welcome to our show. Let me get this... uh... Music from blasting in my ears now. I uh, yeah, we're just. This was our second take at the intro out there, everybody, because I'm using a new board and uh, something changed there in the way the music plays. So it just keeps playing loud in my ears and throwing my cadence off. But that's okay. That's a little behind the scenes on how the sausage is made, I guess. But uh, <laughs> ooh, speaking of sausage. Give me a sausage, some some kind of sausage in my omelet today. Ooh. Is it better That's than the be- best, best McDonald's? <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, the old the old breakfast burritos. Yeah. I like them, even boy, you know, still- I had one. So I usually have one a week. Limit myself to my McDonald's. And the one I had earlier this week, they did the thing where they got all the cheese on one end of it. So, you know, you're just going to eat it all in one bite. You're just going to shove it on. Yeah, like the last two bites are just full of cheese and nothing else. Which, you know, I like McDonald's cheese. Um, Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. But, you know, when they get the mix right, oh, I just love those. We've talked about that before, personally, that we both uh, enjoy the McDonald's. Well, and since we're already off on a tangent, um, (laughs) the cure to my fast food addiction has been the economic downturn and the drop in no offense to anyone who might work at one of these places, overall service and quality. Oh, yeah. I don't go anymore. I, I hit the burritos when I'm on the road, yeah. which might be a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Can't go if I'm 20 minutes away from a gas station or more. So, yeah. <laughs> but, um, eh, is what it is, right? Yeah. Well, I noticed our local McDonald's is hiring 14 year olds now. So, I guess I got to um, go below the, because uh, there's a trip point at 16 for the uh, youth labor market. Like, mm. there's certain things 14 or 15-year-olds can do, but, but once you turn 16, I remember when I was hiring kids for camp staff, there was a kid who, like a week after the, the, the uh, summer started, that was working in our dish room with the big pass-through dishwashers. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had to, while he was 15, we had to keep all these extra records about how many hours he was working and all that. And uh, he was the guy that took all the, the dishes out of the tray after it came out of the pass-through washer and put them away in the right spots in the kitchen and stuff. But until he was 16, he couldn't reach in and pull the tray out of the pass-through washer. Once the sanitizing cycle was done, somebody had to take a moment and go over there and pull it out for him. But magically, the day he <laughs> turned 16, safe. he could scald himself, I guess. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, and, and then you have OSHA things in a big IT company, kind of like I work for, and a 
grown man can't unplug an extension cord, which <laughs> don't tell anybody, but I do it at home. You, what? I haven't killed myself quite you, yet. You have personal but, uh, responsibility. <laughs> only at home. I'm not allowed to in the office. I, but remember, when we were kids, we used to have to get up half an hour before we go to bed, uh-huh. uh, go to work for 29 hours a day down at the mill. <laughs> Uphill both ways. <laughs> For two pennies a month. Okay, that's a little bit of Monty Python. Come on, four pennies. Joke for us. Uh, okay, four. <laughs> and then we had to live in a hole in the ground. But we we were lucky to have a hole in the ground. That's right. <laughs> we are lucky we're still alive. It, it reminds me when I was in basic training, and maybe they had you had to do this in your squadron, but when we were buffing the floors, somebody had to sit there and hold the plug in the wall. Another person held the cord. Of course, then another person was actually buffing the floor, and then they assigned oh, yeah. somebody to supervise us doing that. Oh, yeah. And then when I worked with uh, DOD personnel, that would be considered understaffed. <laughs> and we'd be getting too many things done. So. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no offense, DOD personnel, but, man, y'all are lazy. Yeah. Um, well, not everybody. Yeah. But, uh, we used to have to hold a flashlight on the floor and have somebody – we were there at the same time roll around on their hands and knees with a towel oh. and get the lint off the yeah. floor. Yeah, you remember, see? Oh, while, stupid while we were putting blankets down, they gave us. Oh. I don't know how, how long it took you to figure it out, but I did not know that they meant pine oil when they said pine <laughs> You got to put down the pine It's like, that's not even good drawl, dude. You know, at the end, of, the, at the end of the little squad, squad bays, there was this massive, like, two by three vent uh opening yeah. like the air blowing in dust <laughs> yeah we we finally got fed up trying to get all that junk off the floor and then uh i don't remember somebody had a screwdriver or a multi-purpose tool but we took that vent off and mm-hmm. we got in there and we scrubbed all that you know the built-up crap that was in there thinking mm-hmm. oh We've solved the problem. No lint is ever going to get on the floor again because it's like coming out of this vent. Next day, that thing was just as full. So I don't know if like the entire building was, because we were on the top floor, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. But we had broomsticks with towels on them, (laughs) shoveling them down (laughs) underneath the beds, just trying to, because it's those dang wool blankets they would give us that just shit. I don't even know how they were. It was all on purpose. It yeah. was all on purpose. I don't know how they weren't see-through blankets because uh, they shed so much. I I just don't don't get it. But and you know, and then some of us surmised that the drill instructors were downstairs just throwing lint into the vents, <laughs> like like all the hey, stuff you that know, they threw you away. Be surprised? I, I <laughs> wouldn't you caught actually. Them, I would be surprised. <laughs> I would not be surprised <laughs> if, if they, they were sitting there with like they ripped open stuffed animals and pillows and they're just throwing right, just throw down it. into the vents. Or they just took all the stuff that we just sweeped off the floor and put it in a oh, bucket yeah. and just threw it into the system. Oh man. Well those are we, cr- could probably, <laughs> we could talk about that probably two, three hours. Yeah. Uh well we are talking uh about military movies that are our favorites today. But before we get into that, you have your interesting fact of the day. Bum, yes, bum, and I, I, oh, there you go. Uh, and I hope everyone finds it interesting. So we're, we're talking about movies today and uh, again, but this, uh, we like movies. Call it, we do. I like trains too. Anyway, um, 
the ADD focus, Tom. Um, we've had an interesting uh, box office or uh, cinematic season so far. And by interesting, I would say crazy, unpredictable, you know, movies that weren't supposed to make much money go crazy, mm -hmm. movies that were supposed to make money flop and so forth. And um, I just want to talk real quick about something I've been seeing a lot of, which is how they predict what they think the box office draw is going to be. Oh, and this has been kind of an emerging thing since, uh, from what I can tell 2008 or nine, uh, just from, from some documents I found and exactly how they do it. And, uh, even though they're not that good at this year, there's reasons why. And every time they tweak this formula and, uh, get a little closer. I mean, it's pretty amazing to me. They, they usually predict like a week out, they can nail it. At least the opening weekend. Mm -hmm. And it's, that's fascinating. How, how the heck? So, so is it uh, actually a, a accurate? Yeah. Uh, usually. Hmm. So, but there are some extenuating circumstances. So, um, back in this paper I found from Oxford in 2013, and it, they have a mathematical model. You know, mm -hmm. if it's a blockbuster or a flop. So this is early days. So they looked at 312 movies from 2009 to 2010. And this is what I find funny. It says they, with their formula, they have a high degree of correlation between if it's going to be a flop or a blockbuster. 77% accurate. Hmm. So that's pretty from good. those three. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a good figure. However, from those 312, it says six were predicted within 99%. So they were predicting like, their actual draw. Did they, so six did out they of 312 movies that was? ain't much. That's like 2%. Yeah. No, there weren't any movie names on it. I'm oh. sorry. No. Um, 23 of them, they got within 90%. That's still darn good. Mm -hmm. But still, what we're looking at, 30? Yeah. So that's, yeah, not much. And then 70, they got within 70%. That's all they said. So on, uh, one third of them, they got pretty close. I thought that was good, but they also um, <laughs> didn't mention the other 200 or so, <laughs> but it was still interesting. And that was based mostly on Wikipedia. Those so are all the uh, Academy Award winning movies <laughs> that they got. Yeah. So nobody saw them. <laughs> Movie of the year. Yeah. Um, we'll have to talk about it. There was a great skit on Saturday Night Live a few months ago about that. It was funny. Um but, um, yeah, it's based mostly on Wikipedia, the first one. So they'd look at how many people viewed the page, how many people contributed to the page, and then how many edits were made to the page. Hmm. And actually, that's kind of smart because that shows interest in the movie, right? Yeah. The more interest, yeah. the more people are going to see it, probably. And that correlated pretty well. So then a few years later, I found this thing called a neural network approach. And here's what they did. They took only 14 movies, and they were – they were able to uh, predict with a 91% for all 14 of those. Well, that's pretty good. Now, I'm sure they were kind of picked for how big big they were, so mm -hmm. you could easily measure like a bigger sample size. But it's mostly based on um, Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic. So they'd look at the Rotten Tomatoes user rating, the Rotten Tomatoes meter, the Rotten Tomatoes user meter, Rotten Tomatoes user votes, uh, and then look at the meta score. And that kind of gave them a good, but you can't see that ahead of time. Yeah. So then they also went back and said, okay, here's the month of release, mm -hmm. which is huge. Uh, the budget, which really is huge. I mean, it, it jumps all over the place. Yeah. Um, 
the MPAA rating because, you know, G's, well, they don't really have G's anymore. PG's, no. 13's, and R's. And it, I mean, they have a different target demographic. They sell less or more tickets depending. Um, what did John's? Uh, I can't remember what they said. It's better to sell four tickets than two, meaning it's better to have family pictures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> oh, whether or not it's a sequel. Um, also, they threw in the IMDb ratings, which, again, this is po- after the fact. Yeah. Um, and then they also have to, and this is the big one for this year, competition. Um, you know, depending on what competition is going to be released about at that time. And then they looked at actor power and director power, star power. So the better <laughs> actors you have in it, obviously, the better directors, mm-hmm. well-known directors. Uh, so that formed a pretty good picture, but most of that stuff is after the fact. Yeah. And just this morning, I found another one <laughs> where uh, this place called um, Box Office Profits. And they pretty much correlate most of that stuff. Yeah. But there are a few other things in there. And then at the end, they say, well, it's really kind of more art than science. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Karnak. You know. <laughs> right. So – um. Anyway, so you look at today, and it's still not perfect. It's more accurate um, as you get close to the release date. They look at advanced ticket sales, um, up or down votes on YouTube and other video media, uh, general buzz across all social media. So, yeah, they can they can predict the first week pretty well. But, for example, just this month, you had Mario, which is – or I guess the last couple months, mm-hmm. which was kind of a runaway success. I mean, it yeah. almost had a billion dollars before it was released in Japan. And yeah, I don't even know what it's doing now. Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy. Um, and, or like a movie like uh, guardians of the galaxy. I don't know if you saw it. No, nah, so um, that just came actually out. going on going Monday to see it. Okay. So I won't give away anything. Everybody dies. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it, it's it's pretty solid. I mean, it's back to where it was, but um, it actually got predicted as a low opening. So they said, flop, flop. And it actually came in lower than they thought. A little bit. It was like 110 million opening weekend, which sounds like a lot, but it's a $300 million it's, movie. So yeah, you got to make like It's total worldwide right now is $1.2 yeah. yeah, it took off. And most of the reason for that is technically – 110 opening mm-hmm. stinks yeah. for a Marvel movie. Um, but by the beginning of the second week, it had already passed Ant-Man, which was fair at best. Um, and the second week was a very, very low drop-off. It was one of the lowest drop-offs. Like some of the more recent flops, they'll have an 80% drop-off. Oh, wow. 70% drop-off, which just means it just dies. Mm-hmm. Um, or a, a string in the foreign markets which is it's happening in this case but guardians of the galaxy had a it's like 50 percent drop off is all so by the end of the second or third week it was definitely in the black Hmm. and remember when the budget's 300 million it's hard to say some people have said your your true cost is three to six times like nothing would ever make money on that it's like i would say two to four times because you got marketing you got all kinds of other support costs yeah. um, aside than the budget of the movie. So, but, but the real problem I found, and I'm almost done here, <laughs> is um, studios, of course, are reading this too. So they want to leverage a system to have better buzz. So uh, 
one of the more insidious things they've started doing is casting directors. So they'll go, we're going to have a movie um, directed by so-and-so. What's it about? Well, they really don't know half the time. It hasn't been written or even like storyboarded. So that's just dumb. It hasn't been working. Um, it causes a lack of emphasis on the story. You just chase the the hottest thing on social media, kind of. That's another thing. Yeah. So you're, you're just like, oh, this is really hot. Let's make a movie about that. Mm -hmm. It kind of has to come from a place of creativity. Yeah. Um, they also have uh, like creative models to develop stories to fit the mold of a blockbuster. So they'll go, well, you know, Top Gun, you know, set records. So we need to have this kind of movie about this kind of people doing this. Like, well, <laughs> we already have that movie. This, so this, those aren't working. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that what Netflix did a few years ago with? Uh... Oh, there's a Chinese version of Top Gun. Did you hear about it? Oh, no. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it started bombing so hard they just took it out of the theaters. Oh, wow. But they actually build it as the Chinese Top Gun. <laughs> it's like nothing against the Chinese people, honestly. Yeah. But man, that culture. But that that culture. Why come up with a good idea if somebody already did? That's well, and they not only that, everything. The Top Gun movies are about American exceptionalism and uberly patriotic. Uh, yeah, that doesn't work in a Chinese model. <laughs> say it doesn't work in a communist system. <laughs> but to me, probably the worst egregious offense and why this isn't working as much or why they have to keep tweaking the model and why movies kind of suck. Uh, it's, it's really hard for them to get out a good movie or a good TV mm -hmm. show even is the outright corruption and like purchase of this rating sites. Oh. So you heard the last one was like RT. Metacritic, which is still pretty uncorruptible. And IMDb, well, RT is about worthless. Rotten Tomatoes is about worthless. Mm -hmm. The first number, I always say, ignore the first number. It's it's worthless. Yeah, the critic, especially because, the critic number uh, is just hideous. Yeah, the um, Disney's notorious for going, well, you know, you gave us a, not outright, mm -hmm. but, oh, you know, Joe gave us a bad rating, so we won't send him the pack and the invite to come see the movies and the, mm -hmm. you know, basically bribing. Yeah. That's, that's finally coming around. The Indiana Jones movie is not doing good so far. Does it's it just, even it got released. It was in Cannes. Oh. And, uh, yeah, it's being panned from Cannes. Oh, panned from Cannes. <laughs> panned from Cannes. That's, that's a Tom original. Thanks. But um, I copyrighted that. But, um, also, um, like, uh, what is it? Disney had this uh, Peter Pan and Wendy show come out. Oh, I yeah, didn't yeah. watch it. Yeah. I didn't watch it, but I heard my wife was like, ugh. Yeah, that, I read <laughs> somebody had written a review about it and just said, this is some of the worst stuff ever. But, but they actually, at one point, it was less than a day, they turned off user reviews. Oh, they did? They just blanked it out. So meanwhile, people are still giving reviews. They're just not showing them. They're like, I didn't even see this, but, you know, Blank you, Disney, one. <laughs> so they turned it back on after a while. It was funny. Um, and aside from that, IMDb, I don't know if you knew this, is owned by Amazon. No, so I didn't when know Ring that. I didn't know it at first, but when Rings of Power came out, yeah. um, they blocked rating because it was not getting good ratings. They kept saying, oh, we have, you know, 
I, I thought it was terrible, by the way. But I can see why some Mary liked it. I can see why some people mm-hmm. like it. Um, but that's okay. We can like different movies. It's okay. But they were blocking. You couldn't find any reviews that were below a five. Really? And uh, actually, I was listening to one YouTuber, and he said, I actually got notified that they were removing my review from IMDb. Um, and he gave it a, a high review and basically said it's terrible. Uh, but they said, oh, well, you know, it had hateful stuff in it. It's like, yeah, he hated the movie. But they rem- it, there were no curse words in it. There was no, you know, this company stinks. But Amazon was like, uh, so they're controlling IMDb and it's that is, less good than it was. But uh, yeah, that's crazy. We'll get there. It's, it's interesting how they can, how they can predict stuff. But right now the biggest, I think um, the best, most reliable indicator of success is, is uh, advanced tickets, mm. which makes total sense. People are putting their, butt in the seat they're putting their yeah. wallet on the line they're showing interest they know when it's coming out it's coming up so that kind of shows a good indicate but that's only like two weeks ahead yeah so it's it's tough to see but well, um, I, if i see anything else i'll i'll update this but um yeah and i'd say you know advanced tickets probably shows you what the opening weekend's gonna be like but that drop off after the first weekend when people start telling their friends yeah don't go do it or hey you need to go see this I think that's pretty telling as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Word of mouth. I mean, so and, and that was the social network buzz. So yeah. social influencers aren't that good anymore, and movie critics aren't that good anymore because mm-hmm. the system's been abused. Yeah. So I, I know I I listen to one guy, Chris Chris Gore. He used to be on G4, Attack of the Show, and stuff like that, and, and he still does stuff. Hey, Chris, I'm sure he's listening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's Sup, it's not Chris? that he's the greatest critic ever. I think he's good, but he's doesn't care what you think. Mm. He cares what he thinks about yeah. the movie, and he wants to tell you. And doggone it, that's worth its weight in gold now. Absolutely. Is having somebody. And social influencers have just been all bought off so much, especially in the last few years as things get pushed and pushed away and bribes and, or, or let's just call it encouragement. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, well, I don't know when they're going to figure out that even if you have a great opening week, um, you're going to turn off people. I mean, mm-hmm. people keep saying, uh, Oh, it's, it's superhero fatigue. Like uh, guardians of the galaxy still do pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's cause it has a good script, a good director, good actors and it it wasn't connected to any of the other garbage yeah that marvel seems to be cranking out these days which yeah and you know marvel same with star wars oh yeah you you're depending on the fan base to come out but even the fan base gets tired of crappy movies yep and and so like shazam suffered because oh everybody just goes "It, it wasn't great but it wasn't as batman it flopped hard it really flapped hard. And um, people just, they just saw Ant-Man, which was, like I said, mid at best, horrible special effects. And it was mostly special effects. Yeah. It was, it was exhausting. It was like all green screen. I haven't even seen it yet. Yeah. All I've heard is everybody said, yeah, wait, wait till it's streaming. Don't pay money to go see it. 
Yeah, and the thing is, is if it tied in with other Marvel stuff, like you know they've been doing for fifteen years, mm-hmm. and there was an overarching story, I'd be all over that. Yeah, because then you're but looking for the all Easter eggs down. and the connecting points and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, now they have John Major issues. I don't know if you need that. Oh, I no. should have just said Major issues. Turn it. <laughs> he got accused of some. Uh, oh. I think he beat up his girlfriend or something a few months ago. Who? Which one? The director? Uh, uh, that no. Uh, Kang, their new um, oh, bad guy. Yeah. The yeah. The yeah, guy with and the actually white... he's a good actor, but. He kind of looks like he'd be a jerk. <laughs> like he'd be Which is great. Makes him a good villain. There I mean, you go. A lot of people He's look got like experience. He knows where to and pull that emotional strength from. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, that guy's career is probably over. I, I feel bad, but. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, it, you see the, you see the thing. So it's same boss or new boss, mm-hmm. same as the old boss. It's just, yeah. they play certain parts of the formula trying to, trying to tweak the formula mm-hmm. and you can't once you manipulate the formula the formula's messed up yeah if you add twice the sugar you're going to have to add you know well you twice can twice the twice the butter or half the vanilla extract or something you know, you, you mess up something else at the recipe yeah you can it, you can try to jade all of the whole system and make it whatever you want and try to control it but you can't control people's recommendations. That's right. And, and uh, you know. Uh, what? I forgot about the, the checkbox uh, casting. Oh, like we have to have, I don't want to be controversial. But yeah. It, the executives know, we, are saying we need this type of person in this role. Yeah. This. this type of person can't be bad. This type of person can't be good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people see right through that after yep. a while. Yeah, it gets tiring and laborious. Yeah, it's kind of like, aren't we all human? Aren't you saying mm-hmm. that we're all people? Mm-hmm. Why would you divide us like this? So, yeah, that doesn't anyway. make sense. Well, that, I just, yeah, just want to talk about that. I yeah, that that's cool. really interesting. Uh, so your your uh, interesting facts are always wonderful, Tom. Oh, thank you. <laughs> talk about naval lint next week. <laughs> or next month, sorry. I am going to... No pressure. <laughs> I need... I'm going to... Push pause on the recording for a second because I realized I didn't plug my computer in and I'm running two monitors on it and recording okay. all of this. <laughs> and uh, the battery's fix running it. down really fast. So I'm afraid. Fix it in post. You'll yeah. Fix it in post. Yeah. Yeah. Fix okay. it in post. No, I'll, I won't. This will stay in there. But hold on just for a second. I'm going to hit pause. All right. Now we're back and I'm at full power. There Woo-hoo. you go. So we do want to thank you. Power. Yes. <laughs> More power. Um, I want to thank Blank, Blake for uh, continuing to listen to the show. Caleb out there. Uh, my wife, Jolinda, is a pretty fervent listener. And uh, also a friend of mine, Ross, who's usually listening. So thanks for listening to the show today. Uh, a reminder, everybody, to go to the Facebook page, Tom and Scott Podcast, and you can get um, links to everything we're talking about, whether it's news articles or movies, IMBD, Wikipedia, that kind of stuff. So if you want to do a little more in-depth uh, look at what we're what we're talking about, you can do that. Also, uh, we ask everybody to like and share uh, on the Facebook page, and um, you know, just continue to get the word out there because we like to talk 
and you guys like to listen to podcasts, so let's make this a match made in heaven. <laughs> uh, well, we, it's you a know, win-win. yeah, we're not doing this for any other reason than uh, it's a chance for Tom and I to get together and uh, just uh, for two old friends at our Waffle House visit. Um, so we, oh, That's we right. didn't talk about that at the beginning, did we? What are you ordering today? Yeah, a little bit. I I, or, I ordered the sausage in my egg. Oh, that's so. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As always with salsa. That's right. If I, must, I I just got I the waffles with the sugar-free syrup. <laughs> oh oh hey, uh, since we're shilling already, uh, <laughs> the only I think the only uh, regular listen listener I know of is is Mr. John Pemberton. Ah. So uh, and he and a couple of the buddies of mine uh, have a have a video podcast. Oh. Red Bird fans forever. Or, doggone it. Red, Red They bird. didn't ask me to say this. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's Bird fans forever. And it's uh, it's actually pretty darn good. They have uh, a lot of guests. and uh, I mean, I'm not a big sports guy, hmm? but uh, I like my buddies, and they do a good job. Is so. that uh, Red Bird? That's an Illinois state kind of thing? Yeah. John's oh. a, a – in fact, some people might know who he is. He's a, he played in the 80s. Uh-huh. Um, I'll, I'll, sorry, John. <laughs> he he was good. People know him. He was good. Tom's but doing his best, John. <laughs> so, well, we we yeah. appreciate and, you for listening, John. And keep up the good work on your stuff. So. There you go. Yeah, awesome. Oh, hey, before we start the war movie stuff, uh-huh. um, and this is related. I just saw it's still in theaters. I think. A movie called Sisu. Have you heard that? S-I-S-U. You know, I just saw the trailer for that. Okay. So it is a movie they made for about six and a half million dollars. Mm-hmm. 6,000 euros, they say. Or six million. Sorry, not thousand. The six million euros, which are about six and a half million dollars. Uh, it's a Finnish movie, but mm-hmm. it's uh, like the Germans speak English in yeah. it. So, um, <laughs> but it's uh, set at the end of World War II when the Germans are pulling back it's not realistic okay well it's kind of realistic but it's it's a story um so like after the cheap movie it, yeah it's when when they're when they're leaving okay and they're doing like scorched earth across the, oh, okay across yeah. the country and he finds a bunch of gold and he is trying to get back to his old life and the germans are interested in just destroying finland so <laughs> um and it kind of turns into a Rambo-ish kind of, mm. uh, I mean, is is gory and violent and, but, but very, um, like it, it is vigilante kind of thing or, or more of a protection kind of more like revenge vendetta, more like a, yeah, vendetta type thing. I really enjoyed it. I'm not saying everybody will, but man, for an independent movie, it looked pretty darn good. I think the only CGI was like one plane. Oh, that's pretty good. And uh, you definitely forgave it. And if there was more, you know, maybe they touched up some things. But um, it was cool. Uh, it's not deep. It's not philosophical other than, you know, Sisu means, okay, first of all, they say, and I'll leave it alone. They say, it's, it's untranslatable. <laughs> and then they go, it's a white-knuckled form of courage and unimaginable determination in the face of overwhelming odds. So no matter what these guys do to him. He keeps coming back and killing him. So, but it's not I'm like sure a, it'll be on streaming soon. It had a very small release. It's not like but, a uh, zombie thing, though. 
no, 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 no. It's all just is to get killed and come back. It's yeah. hard to kill. I yeah. guess a little like uh, Die Hard or something like that okay. too. But so like a- yeah, he's just trying to make sure they don't make off with his gold. There you go. Okay. Well, we'll have to take it, a look. It at has that. funny parts too. So. Yeah. Well, those type of movies always have at least a few one-liners in them or something. But but I guess the reason I brought it up is first of all, it was a war movie, so mm-hmm. it kind of goes with what what we're talking about. Yeah. But also, it was on the cheap. <laughs> yeah. And well, it looks great. Yeah. It looks. It doesn't look like you filmed it with a camcorder. You know. Yeah. Like a handheld or, or a GoPro. Yeah, it doesn't look like that. I mean, there are things in it that are ridiculous, of course. Yeah. Because it's a ridiculous movie. But it was well, a nice ride. The key is it's always... only 90 minutes, thank goodness. The key is always when the blood starts spurting, how well did they do that? So did they go oh. Did they go full Kill Bill or is it realistic? Um, <laughs> Some of those movies, you know... It's, it, just, it's, it's gory, yeah. but it's not... Not over the top. Now, it looks like most of it's plausible, but uh, <laughs> yeah, if you get a weak stomach, this is not for you. <laughs> so, most of war movies aren't, but yeah. Uh, well, let's get a, uh, so I, so personally, I'm a big fan of military style movies. Um, so I have a rather robust collection and uh, Tom's not so much of a military movie buff, but he does appreciate movies. So these aren't uh, by any means a compendium of what we think are the best movies. They're just ones that are our favorites. Um, Yeah, and I I was telling you a minute ago, I even went a little farther and I picked like one (laughs) type of movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Although I was surprised how many I'd seen and how many I really liked. As (laughs) It always does that. It's like, I can't even think of 10 and then you can think of 100. <laughs> yeah, then it, yeah, the list is. And it just explodes. Yeah. When you start like thinking about over your lifetime, all the movies you've seen that are associated in this genre, there's quite a few. Mm-hmm. So I do have uh, some honorable mentions. A uh, couple of them are actually on your list, but. Uh, That's okay. Yeah. So, so I've got five honorable mentions. Now, my first is Schindler's List. Uh, which we'll talk a little bit more about later. Now, of course, it happens during World War II. It's I don't consider it a military movie. Uh, yeah. It happens during World War II, and there's definitely military characters in it, but because it's centered on what Schindler did, um, I never, but I, I think it's uh, you know something that everybody should see Schindler's List. Uh there's another one that came out a couple of years ago called Jojo Rabbit. Uh, oh. This movie is, it is a dark comedy uh, and uh, just a great picture of how um, people were fighting against the Nazis and it's just done in a unique style and uh, um, it's it's a heart-wrenching movie, but, uh, but there is very funny moments in it. Did you, have you seen it? I haven't, but I was going to ask right away if it was Taika Waititi. I pulled it up now, so yeah, um, yeah, I've definitely heard about it. Yeah, Scarlett Johansson's in it, oh, wow. and yeah, there, uh, yeah, there's a, it, it is just interesting where they're trying to indoctrinate a kid into the Nazi Party as one of the Hitler Youth, and um, his mom's battling against that on the backside, and you know, 
It, it is the end of the movie's heart wrenching and heartwarming at the same time. Um, but it, uh, just deals with that xenophobia that came out of the Nazi parties. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I encourage people to watch it. Uh, there are some difficult scenes in it though. Uh, even though it's a dark comedy, uh, band of brothers, the, uh, um, kind of yeah I, I also have that on my on yeah so it's not so. band of brothers is a, a mini series it's not a TV movie show. so therefore i didn't put it in my list of movies but i encourage everybody to watch band of brothers now the pacific not uh, so much it was okay it was okay it has yeah. more of a anti-war feel to mm-hmm. it like there was it was forced upon the movie for you know me personally which which is fine but they just, they had a specific kind of feel to Band of Brothers. Mm-hmm. And they should have, I wish they would have, if they would have carried that into the Pacific, um, it would have been better. And they like over CGI'd the Pacific. Uh, there was moments in Band of Brothers, you know, where they did um, that type of special effect. But for the most part, Band of Brothers just felt re- real. And like yeah. you were in the moment and Pacific is more like you're watching, you're watching a TV show. So that's uh, kind of there. So a couple other ones, uh, there's a movie that came out I think, four years ago called Overlord. Oh which, yeah. Which. <laughs> you know who the main character is, right? You know who the actor is? Uh, no, I'd have to look it up. I'd, it's, um, it's uh, um, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawns. Oh, so. okay. Yep. Yeah. I can't think of his name. Why can't I think of his name? Yeah. That's but right. yeah, it's it's one of those things like, and the guy's not unattractive, okay? Yeah. But those are two attractive parents. Right. And um, he doesn't, he looks like him, but it's just like, did, what? what? Did, but he's did, a good actor. Actually. Didn't mix well. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. This is something different about him. Yeah. He totally got his dad's chin. Oh, oh that's it's, true. It's, yep. You can totally see it. If he turns too fast, he knocks people over. Um <laughs> But yeah, Overlord is is uh, alt history. Uh, it's also kind of a zombie movie at the same time, and yep. so there's elements that are true in it, and then elements that are just over the top. It's uh, I think it's a fun movie to watch if you like like zombie kind of horrorish kind of movies. Um, and the the premise is that the Nazis were working on a super soldier kind of serum kind of thing and then it you know you can kind of extrapolate that from there but uh i do think that it's a fun movie to watch if you like military movies but you also like zombie movies it's a great mashup of that uh and my last uh honorable mention is stripes uh oh oh wow that's good (laughs) you know uh first off uh as i've mentioned many times on the podcast i am a huge bill murray fan uh harold ramus of course is in this uh john candy's in it uh, just some, just, <laughs> uh, it's a military movie, but it's, you know, it's Stripes with Bill Murray and John Candy and Harold Ramis. So it, it is a lot of fun. Uh, Urban Assault Vehicle is still uh, in my mantra of things to pull out, as well as, uh, just like going into Wisconsin, Czechoslovakia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Definitely. <laughs> uh, just a... Um, yeah, for, for the time, I mean, there's some scenes in there that are, uh, in our current culture dated, but it's still a fun movie to watch. And, uh, uh, I, I watch it every once in a while, just laugh through it. Um, so those are my honorable mentions. You got anybody you want to bring up? 
Yep. I had Band of Brothers also. And um, as I always say, my wife and I are always joking about this. The most realistic part of it is there's only five people in the show. <laughs> yep. There's uh, the, the redheaded lieutenant, Ross, uh, the guy from um, Office Space, mm-hmm. the big dude, and then a thousand Italian kind of looking guys <laughs> with brown hair. Yep. Because <laughs> you're watching it and you'll go, oh, who, who is he? Uh, yeah, where did I see Oh, him? that's Jimmy Kimmel. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, and it's just... Mm-hmm. But it's still fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I forgot the blonde guy. I guess there's six. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's really good. So also TV show, and this is very different than everything else we've talked about so far, is this the Rome series from HBO. Oh, you know what? I, uh, I know you you've that? talked to me about that before, but I've never actually watched an episode. It is a bit in- intense, but it also deals with culture, mm-hmm. politics, and um, the parts with Caesar, and the reason I wanted to include it as a war, is um, how the government dealt with um, a very, very popular um, general, hmm. essentially, uh, to the point where he became, well, Caesar. Caesar. <laughs> They've named the position after him. So um, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. It's starting to get a little dated now, but hmm. it, it was the show that was kind of before Game of Thrones and they had to quit it because it was so expensive and then Game of Thrones was way more expensive. Gotcha. Half the cast is in Game of Thrones. Oh. <laughs> good good stuff. Um, okay, so, so, how, so tell me how a history show becomes dated. Um, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> the style is dated. Just style. Okay. okay. Style. All right. But it's it's really good. But you have a lot of nudity in it. Oh. So just, just beware. Yeah. Well, um, that's the one. Yeah, because they were, I think you told me once, they were emphasizing the debauchery of, of the time. Well, and so they had. Well, that was Game of Thrones, but uh, yeah. Rome did too. Yeah. And and it's it's everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Oof. Well, what All do right. you get so, when you put a bunch of people in togas? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. Then another one, switching gears entirely, is uh, the remake. This is the Tarantino one, uh, Inglorious Bastards. Oh, yeah. Which is misspelled, and it drives me nuts. <laughs> misspelled on purpose. Bastards isn't spelled T-E-R-D-S, but uh, that's all right. Um, I think mostly for the Tarantino dialogue more than the action. Mm-hmm. The beginning, like, what well, seems like uh, the, the opening with the German... Um, I think he's a colonel. Yeah, and he's interviewing the house, and they, he knows that they're harboring uh, Jews underneath. You know, mm-hmm. but he's just like talking to him and playing with his food, as you say. It just it was really brilliantly done. But then everything kind of puts together. Sure. But I don't think it's worthy of the list. So yeah, it okay. Yeah, it's a good movie, but yeah, it's not one of it, my. It favorite. had issues too. Brad yeah. Pitt's uh, uh, sergeant was really cool too. <laughs> He, you know, he's just a good, he, good, solid. He actor. never disappoints. Yeah. <laughs> so, and he, you um, know, the, he, he's uh, never had a role where he doesn't eat um, food. Really? Yeah. I can't think of a movie that he's in that you don't see him eating something. Okay. And they, I'll pay attention to that now. Yeah. Especially when you watch the Oceans trilogy, he is always like. Wiping hamburger juice <laughs> off his cheek and stuff. They, they, I think they did. I never looked it up, but I think in those movies, he, they actually did it on purpose because he's always eating Fight Club. He's eating all the time. 
So anyway. Which is funny because it wasn't even there. But anyway, oh, spoiler. <laughs> That's right. All right, now the last one is is really weird. Is is really weird. But it makes sense in the long run. So um I know everybody thinks it's a movie about space wizards with laser swords. <laughs> but the whole six episode Star Wars run, and I say six because the sequels don't count. Mm-hmm. Anything that was helped along that was made by George Lucas is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Especially episode two and three, which is the Clone Wars. Hence, mm-hmm. I'm a Clone War veteran. And, uh, <laughs> I know, uh, and Revenge of the Sith. Um, it's amazing when you just pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. The political intrigue, the, the, um, the motions behind the scene how wars escalate and i would actually throw rogue one in there too oh, even though yeah. that's more like yeah that's like the only good one that disney did uh, I movie I, I still like Han solo was okay. but it was it I had still like solo yeah it was too happy <laughs> it was too happy to be harrison ford it wasn't brooding enough <laughs> harrison ford is just like i'm happy yes i'm, I'm really happy <laughs> um yeah but uh, Honestly, and I've talked about this before, that there's a like a two-hour document. It might be two-and-a-half-hour documentary explaining how Liberty dies. Oh, yeah. And he pulls apart pieces from the show mm-hmm. and the, and the, uh, like the Clone Wars show and the movies and just kind of explains, this is why this movie isn't as bad as you think it is. Yeah. So um, Anyway, so that might not be more popular, but in, in a big said this a couple times overarching way mm-hmm. it's uh it's pretty good yeah that's a good metaphor right. for real life i think yeah oh and, and if you've watched andor i am a big fan of andor mm-hmm. which is again one of the only good things disney's doing um it's there's no laser swords in it there's it's just people slowly being crushed under oppression mm-hmm. and it's fascinating I yep. really hope it keeps going, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, it's it's good. It's a good thing by Disney, so that it'll be canceled soon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're actually pulling shows off of their catalog to save money. Yeah, they're in yeah, trouble. they're they're having. Well, that's that whole uh, thing with you know the news is saying, oh, they're getting back at the Florida governor for doing this, and then you know, when when people start delving into it, like. Oh no, they don't have any money to do it. So yeah, you're just yeah. yeah. We'll so, show the Florida governor by driving our business into the ground. That's and bankrupting. Right. Yeah, 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 that'll show him. Yep, yep, yep. Let's get to our real list here. So uh number right. ten on your list is Gone with the Wind. That's it's right, Gone with the, the Wind. Civil which, War epic. Which is specific exactly. Specifically because it's Civil War and it's a great movie, and it's got I, I don't know. Beautiful people, ugly mm-hmm. people, excellent story, sweeping, showing the horrors of war, um, supply problems, culture problems. It's it's just kind of got everything. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was filmed in. It was one of the early color movies. Yep. What right? what was that color? Oh god, uh, I just lost it. I would see it if it popped up. Oh yeah, but you know but, what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, and Vivian Lee, I know. Oh my goodness, she's beautiful. So, and that character of Scarlet, 
you know why everybody's in love with her because you're kind of in love with her. She's she's just an amazing woman. Yeah. Um amazing and it, person and a woman and it's just that I I don't know how to explain it. And it's, it has it's not one really of the love movie Yeah, and it has one of those iconic lines that people say all the time but don't realize where it came from. Don't like, give a hoot. Yeah. Is that the one you mean? Frankly, my dear, <laughs> I don't give a darn. Uh, the term I was thinking of was Technicolor. It was one of the first Technicolor oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. movies. Yeah, yeah. And that color scheme on the film is just makes things pop. Just brilliant. Yeah. 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 It's, um, yeah, it's definitely a, a pivotal movie in American cinema. It's, yeah. It's it, very, very yeah, important. absolutely. Um, so, so I actually have, I didn't do 10, I did 12. <laughs> Because I couldn't get it narrowed down. So uh, my 12th one is called The Green Berets. And mm. uh, it's a John Wayne movie. Uh, it was done in the late 60s. And it's a Vietnam epic. Um, and was kind of used as a... Uh, it, is a it is a... You know, watching it, it is a propaganda film. So... It, you know, just going into that, it was it was a film during the Vietnam War to uh, help the American public understand what was going on in the war and the reasons that we were there. Now, so it's propaganda because it was very pro uh, being in the war and stuff. And that's shown by the beginning of it. They, they talk about, you know, there's a sergeant that's talking about the weapons that are fueling the the Viet Cong at the time and they just keep saying it's communist 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 of course the the era coming out of the Korean War is the the old domino theory that if we let these countries fall to communism it'll just keep going around the world so somebody has to stand up against the dominoes to keep these countries from falling to communism that's one of the reasons uh we you know we went into Korea but also Vietnam and a bunch of other conflicts so it it, it it is a John Wayne movie. It's uber patriotic um, for Americans. There's a secret, but there, but there's secret missions in it. There's really good fight scenes uh, for the time and the genre that it is in 1968 when it was released. Um, just the, in an interplay in between the, the different services and how that all works out. And uh, um, John Wayne just uh, terrific in it. Um, you know, it, and it's the, you know, people get shot in the side and they've got like that red gooey stuff that they used to use for blood in the movies. You know, it kind of just appears on a uniform or something like that. But uh, they've got some interesting, uh, like, there's a time they, they go and kidnap a Viet Cong general uh, using a female spy to do it. And, you know, so there's a little espionage in there. They they uh, they have a early C-130 flying and they put the general in this jumpsuit and fill up a helium balloon and send it up, you know, and they got the C-130 with the little clippers in front to catch the wire and then zip the the, the uh, general away. So it's kind of fun. But, um, and then they're, you know, they're out on a Ford operating base and and, uh, and encampment and stuff and they have a big uh, fight scene with the Viacom. So it, it's just a really interesting movie if you're a John Wayne fan or you can appreciate uh, that style of movie. I would recommend people watching it. Let's go. Your next one is Patton. Uh, sure you don't want to read another one since you have 12? Oh, uh, no. 
Because okay. you, you've got a bunch that are copies of mine. So Patton is actually my number two movie. Oh, cool. So uh, as one of my favorites. So you got it at number nine. But this is uh, this is just a great- It's hard to explain, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's just a great look. Now, um, I'm a big fan of Patton. Um, so I have several biographies on Patton and I have a book just of his quotes. The guy was just prolific. He was like the Yogi Berra of World War II and, uh, just, just, uh, a really interesting dynamic. The movie just delves into who he is. George C. Scott is just wonderful. They, of course, they mash a lot of stuff from history together to make the movie. The movie's like, I think it's three hours long. It's one of the last movies made with an intermission. Um, and so yeah, now they just let you sit there. And suffer. <laughs> yeah. Your bladder just cries. <laughs> Why did I get this 48 ounce soda and oh, well. get the refill? Um, <laughs> yeah, but it, it is just beautifully filmed. Um, you get a great look at, um, uh, just how gen, you know, generals interact and in between, uh, Bradley and Eisenhower oh, yeah. and all of that, just, uh, yeah, I mean, you see Patton get screwed over in the movie uh, because yeah. of and some of it. Probably, his, uh, probably for good reason. Yeah, yeah. Some, not always. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah, Carl he, Malden and George oh, C. Scott, or just, that's Bradley and Patton. They just, play off each other brilliantly. Yeah. It's it's. Uh, but you, yeah, you it just really have makes a, you feel bad. Some of the modern actors are just okay. You look nice, but you're kind of adult. Yeah, you can't act. Yeah, you're um, just not you're, the some, depth some. isn't there. Um, but yeah, you you feel like um, they were. I don't I don't want to go on about it, but yeah, it's what the reason I threw it in there is because this was told mostly from his view. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, problems he caused, problems he solved, like when he gets out and directs tra- the tanks. <laughs> oh yeah, because the just, egos they, yeah. they have this cross. This cro- tanks are trying to cross. And 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 uh, passenger, and he's like, "What's going on?" And he gets up there like a real general and just yep. starts screaming and barking. And he just goes, "All right, let's go!" Starts directing traffic. It, it was wonderful. And eventually, somebody takes over and he drives off. Mm-hmm. But um, ah, good stuff. He just sets I, the example. Yeah, but it's it, a, it was one of them I put on the list. That I'm going. I gotta watch it again. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it again. I haven't seen it in a little bit. So. Oh yeah, and it, you know, it, and if you wanted an overarching like history of World War II about major battles in the European theater, this is a great movie for that. I, you know, he's in all of them. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. I mean, he's you know going up through Africa, up through Italy, and then you know, of course, he gets shunned from the D-Day invasion, which just really ticked him off, and they didn't throw him back into France until things were getting screwed up and then they send him in there and everything gets taken care of because he is definitely the epitome of a wartime general a man who couldn't exist outside of war but man you put him in the the theater of war and he's going to get things taken care of so there's something said just reminded me um one of the more brilliant parts and i don't know if it's true but it seems true the germans cannot figure out what the heck they're doing when they sideline Patton, like, why would they take out their best general? He must be sneak. He's got a sneak attack right. planned or something. It it makes no sense because, you know, the Germans were all practical and yep. uh, results-based more than we were. Mm-hmm. And they're sidelining George C. Scott because he called somebody a coward. Yep. 
Well, now, was the guy a coward? Maybe. Yeah. Also, or was that later? Well, no, he, they slapped, he slapped the kid upside the head. But, and that actually happened twice. So in the movie, they, they combined it into one episode. But he actually, in real life, Patton did that several times. Um, so, yeah. It, it, it's yeah. better than shooting the deserters. Like <laughs> that's <Jesus> right. <laughs> Which probably Patton in the back of his head. Yeah, that's probably something he would do. <laughs> so... Yeah, just, but just a great movie. Recommend it. It is a investment in time, uh, but there also is a Patent Two, which was a made-for-TV movie, which is and George C. Scott's in that as well, about what the lead between World War Two and when Patton died, and um, uh, it's not very good. But but it, again, oh, I was gonna say I didn't see it. Should I see it? No, <laughs> I guess not. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you want, because it's George C. Scott. I mean, he makes even terrible movies pretty good. But yeah, it was pretty bad. So, oh, is it the is it the last days of Patton? I think something like that. Okay. Yeah. Last. Uh. That's huh. not great. Didn't know it existed. Cool. Yeah. So next on my list is a movie called Heartbreak Ridge. Uh, this is a ah, Cl- yes. Clint Eastwood movie. Uh, it deals with the. Uh, the little incursion that we did in the island of Grenada in the eighties in the lead up to that, where Eastwood becomes the sergeant of a platoon of misfits in the Marines and kind of gets them, gets them all built up and ready to go. Also deals with um, a long time relationship with his wife, ex-wife, wife, wife, uh, you know, and them trying to maintain their relationship over the time of being, in the military and going off to war and, and uh, those kind of things. And it's uh, the story of a man at the end of his military career. And, uh, but he's taking these young, these young people, these young recruits, these young Marines and building them up and helping them to be men at the end of the movie, you know, several of them are reenlisting and stuff because of the example that they learned from him. So it's a, it's a great movie. It's a great movie full of, one-liners again a great military movie about how to deal with uh leadership that uh is very uh obtuse and just um autocratic and uh standing up for what's right and doing what's right and and those kind of things and about ethics and just some very uh uh, heartwarming moments in there where you got this sergeant that's all blood and guts, but then, you know, he's very compassionate to some of the, the men. And, um, yeah, I just love this movie. I watch it quite often. It's, uh, a movie I saw, started watching when I was a teenager as I was going into the military and I still watch it today cause it's so well acted and, uh, you'll, there's not, there's a outside of Eastwood and Mario Van Peoples and a couple other, you know, you'll recognize a lot of faces in the movie, but um, they've always been good back, you know, kind of secondary characters in other shows, and they're more prominent in this. Isn't that the one where Eastwood has a really bizarre kind of voice through most of it? Yeah, he's always talking like this. Yeah, he's, uh, <laughs> and he has a, doesn't he have a Medal of Honor? I'm trying to remember now. Yeah, he it's does. Been a while since I've he seen does it. it. Yeah. And I thought of, that was cool too. One of his and buddies now, goes, uh, you know, you don't you just like the way they stand at attention to your itty bitty yeah. ribbon? <laughs> he's, I love to hear their heels click together when they see it or something. Yeah. Like yeah I thought that just, was cool. Yeah. I thought that was cool. It's a good movie. Uh, next on your list is Platoon. 
Yeah, pretty obvious. I mean, if you haven't seen it, you've kind of seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, just because there's so many, if nothing else, just Willem Dafoe with his hands in the air. Yeah, getting shot. Uh, sinking <laughs> to his knees, getting shot. But Charlie Sheen, Willem Dafoe, Tom mm-hmm. Berenger, Forrest Whitaker. You might not remember the name. Keith uh, David, Kevin yeah. Dillon, uh, Johnny Depp. Uh, oh, gosh. Yeah. The guy that was on Scrubs, John C. McGinley's yep. in it, too. Oh, I did. Oh, that guy. Yeah, you just keep looking down and go. Yeah, how there's did, a oh. ton of stars. On and uh, um, uh, what's his name? Tony Todd. He's mm-hmm. always the bad guy. Handyman. Uh, uh, yeah, that's, yep, that's yeah. the guy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And just, I don't know what else to say. It's kind of one of the more ultimate uh, Vietnam movies. Mm-hmm. Um, may not be perfect, but it's it's good. It's, it's it's just well, and by good I mean terrible. It'll just rip your soul <laughs> your soul to pieces. Yeah, just um, desperation and loss and yeah. It um, yeah, the script was over the top so far that the American military wouldn't lend support to it. Uh, so they actually contracted with the Philippine uh, army to supply uh, vehicles and stuff for the movie. Because um, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's very yeah. Because it just doesn't, you know, the military loves getting behind movies that portrays the military in a positive light. And uh, Platoon doesn't do that. <laughs> you know, there's, yeah, they, it's uh, makes the military look really bad, which isn't, uh, so that doesn't make it a bad movie. It is a very good movie. And like Tom was saying, there's a ton of stars in it that you'll recognize. From the period of time, but it's it's a good movie, not one of my favorites, but uh, yeah, it it uh, it's it's um, it's not one where the military comes out looking good in the end, and um, you'll notice in the themes of most of my military movies that you know that because the ones I pick is that we win in the end, kind or that you know. even though we may not have won all the battles or something like that, in the end, you know, there's this thrust of, you know, we did our best kind of thing. And Platoon doesn't have that feel to it. <laughs> you you no, kind of walk away from more, the movie. It's a, it's a dark movie. Yeah, yeah. You, you walk away from Platoon feeling a little depressed. <laughs> so, because the, there's just a ton of, right, uh, just a ton of breakdowns in that movie, especially around the Tom Berenger character. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a tough one to watch sometimes, but it, it is really well acted if, and mm-hmm. the script is good. And just because it's a dark movie, uh, everybody should see it because it does, uh, push the uh, envelope on just without good leadership, things just really melt down. That's for sure. Yeah. And that's, I think maybe not from this movie, but from this conflict and from certain things like that mm-hmm. happen in platoon is why you get so many people say well i backed the troops yeah and then you realize that oh it's and i know what you're saying about the military looking good but military answers to the highest levels of government yeah and that's honestly usually where the blame falls yep. especially our military yeah. but maybe i'm biased yeah <laughs> But um, yeah. well, not everybody's held accountable for their leadership. That, That's right. And certainly in the military, people get promoted from failure. You know, mm-hmm. the old 
we're going to keep promoting you to your highest level of incompetence kind of that that happens a lot in the military unfortunately uh, there's people for those you don't know that walk in for their exams and sign their name and they get promoted mm-hmm. they they've been in enrolled so long they have to be promoted and yep. sometimes they give those people people under them they yep. they give them subordinates and it's like well they still stink they just have stunk for a long time that makes no sense but eh. yeah it's like a- like american uh corporate cultures any better absolutely so there's two two movies next on my list uh one's newer one's older so this is pearl harbor and then torah 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 so i really think these two movies should be watched together uh torah 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 of course is a um oh shoot was that 80s or in the mid seventies when that one came out, I got to look at the Wikipedia real quick. Uh, 1970 is when that came out. Uh, and then you have the, you know, around 2000 when the Ben Affleck, Kate Beckinsale, uh, Pearl Harbor. Now that one's always panned for terrible acting and all that, but it does portray what happened. And so I say to people to watch them both because Torah, 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 shows the Japanese side of the story a lot. Um, and so you can see the motivations from their side and how they did. Now they've, you know, there's in recent history, a whole bunch of other data has come out about Pearl Harbor. And the Pearl Harbor movie goes all the way into um, uh, the Doolittle Raiders and all of that. Tora Tora, you know, mainly stays around the Pearl Harbor episode. So uh, the Doolittle Raiders flying off the carrier was our res- initial response to the Pearl Harbor attack to try to get planes into the Japanese mainland to do some bombing. But uh, I think, you know, Tora 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 is, uh, uh, can feel a little dated, but there's almost no special effects that are CGI in that. So they found, you know, Japanese Zeros and American planes that are vintage and had them all flying in that movie. Uh, just the filming of it and the bombing sequences over the Pearl Harbor area. Phenomenal. Yeah. You just can't, can't beat that kind of, of movie magic, I'll say. And then Pearl Harbor, uh, you know, of course, a lot of that's, you know, more modern special effects and there's the kind of the backstory, but both of them show, I think a, on the bookends show a great picture of what happened at Pearl Harbor. And I think you get a, a better uh, full rounded view of it, you know, cause there's motivations on both sides that are, that are good and bad. And uh, you know, the reasons to go to war are multifaceted on both sides uh, uh, with a better review of history. We hope to not repeat something in the future. And I think uh, Pearl Harbor is definitely a movie people should watch at the time in our history that people should understand. And, uh, and for that, I, I, I find it very interesting to watch these movies. I don't know if you've and, seen And they were just though. together because it's the same. Yeah. It's the same spot. And, uh, yeah. yeah, there's just something about Torah, Torah, Torah. And you you know, you get these flashes into the Japanese, uh, Admiral and the commanders of the ships and stuff and, and the uh, pilots. Uh, it's just a beautiful 
script writing, I thought. Uh, Why your... not throw 1941 in there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding, but it's a funny kind of movie. It's yeah. Yes. It's uh, Spielberg, isn't it? One of his first what? ones. Yeah. It's one of the last uh, ones uh, Belushi did. Yeah. Um, uh, it was funny, though. It was, yeah, it, it was, was super campy. Uh, your next one on the list is Red Dawn on American Soil. So why do you yeah, say so American that's, Soil? Uh, that, that's <laughs> Yeah, I put the on American Soil. But yeah, it's uh, so it's totally fictional, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am referring to the one from, what is it, 80? 85? Uh, Wasn't it like one it of the- It takes me a minute to remember. Let me remember with my IMDb pill. Yeah. 1984. You were close. It's also one of the very first, either the first or the one of the first PG-13 movies. Ah, I did not know that. That's interesting. So there was, but but it's unlike anything else, I think, just because it's not, well, it's completely fictional. Obviously we've never really been invaded. Yeah. Um, Except by ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so um pretty good cast i mean they were all younger they were all like a brat pack back then Swayze oh yep i just confirmed google just confirmed it was the very first pg-13 movie oh cool um but just i, I thought it was a realistic mm-hmm. kind of what if scenario of um what would happen with our and that would be the definition of partisans partisans yeah. whatever which are like um, anybody who's played Fortress America, <laughs> which is where the the troops rise up underneath. And what a what a country for that, since yeah. you know, we have more guns than people. Um, take that however you want, but um, mm-hmm. it's just how hard it would be to um, to accomplish what they tried to accomplish. But the first thing that is split us in half. Yeah. And it was just really that they didn't answer too many questions. They left a lot of things open mm-hmm. and not just because they wanted to have a sequel, uh, just because it didn't matter. And yeah. they wouldn't know. You yep. don't have to explain everything if they wouldn't know. Yep. Um, but remember when they're listening to the radio and they go, uh, John has a long mustache. The chair is against the wall. <laughs> oh, right. See, I remember that uh-huh. because it's nonsense. Yep. And sat there go, what the chair is against the wall? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's supposed to be a code that's tough to break. Right. So, um, but no, it's, it's fast. It, it really stays with you. I think the just the, the what if scenario and, and how it works. Yeah. It, you know, that just a bunch of young adults could get together and, uh, Oh, it changed their lives yeah. instantly, instantly. And, uh, so yeah, was... you be sitting in school. Cause we were still at school mm-hmm. and you could sit in school and go, you could look out the window, and in fact, that first scene where they're parachuting in. Oh, yeah. Um, those windows look just like, well, it was my elementary school, but uh, we had those older pop-open windows. Mm-hmm. And so you, I, I was in high school looking out the window. I was like, what What would we do if paratroopers right? fell from the sky? Well, now I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't have thought twice about it before that movie. So it, it was pretty good. Well, and that um, movie came out really at the height of the Cold War. Yeah, um, yeah. And um, uh, it 
I don't know why mine says four, but it. Well, it no, I'm not the like movie, November. but just just before oh, that, the height of the Cold War. <laughs> yeah, in '83, we you know we came Sorry. close to uh, going to you know a nuclear. There was a computer um, issue where the Soviets thought we had done a full launch, mm-hmm. and they almost re- retaliated. So there, yeah. Um, I want to say glitch, but it wasn't the glitch. It's a computer glitch. You know, one of the things that's always stuck with me from that first Red Dawn movie was, um, you know, this small town in Colorado, they've got a Cuban colonel that's running the troops that's mm-hmm. controlling the area, and he tells one of the guys to go into City Hall and pull all the gun registry records so they knew who had weapons. <laughs> So I'm like, just remember when we uh, when we buy a weapon and we register it and put that form into the uh, to our local magistrate that it's all stuck in a file someplace. I'm sure, it's all mostly computerized now, but some Cuban general someday could go in there and just pull it all and know what weapons you have. So <laughs> that always stuck with me. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait! And one other moment where um, he he uh, confronts this kid and he says, uh, "It it." Uh, it looks like you were the member of a elite paramilitary force, <laughs> Eagle Scouts. Eagle Scouts, yeah. And, and it, on one I hand, totally it's ridiculous, but on the other that. hand, it's like, well, kinda. Yeah, a little <laughs> kinda. bit. I mean, that's that's <laughs> why that was all brought into being, right? Uh, for years, the U.S. Army funded the Boy Scouts until it became, you know, culturally insensitive, I guess. But yeah, but that's part of. You know, what you up until probably the late 90s, those skills that you learned in Boy Scouts directly comported to if you were joining the military, right? Mm-hmm. There's a reason American grenades are the size of baseballs and uh, that kind of stuff is because all American kids were growing up throwing baseballs. Uh, you know, so we, you know, grenades felt like a baseball in your hand to throw them. Uh, there's a reason behind all, a lot of those kind of things. There's a reason that the drone pilots uh, that are flying those right now, it kind of feels like you're playing a PlayStation or, you know, Microsoft 360 game or something like that. It's, that's, oh, the, yeah. you know, there's a reason the way the military does things the way it does. And, you know, part of that, you know, some of our cultural things, especially again, what the Boy Scouts was leading up to preparing young men to go to war, mm-hmm. just in case, you know, just in case, just yeah, in the, case. the uh, recruitment videos now actually say, some, I can't remember the term, but my son was making fun of me. He's like, do they, do these people think they're going to play video games for <laughs> the military? I'm like, well, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Kinda, well, kinda I remind people great big RCs. Yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah, even when even a pilot that's you know trying to keep a laser pointer on something like in the last uh, Top Gun movie, Maverick, you know, it looks kind of like a video game where you're trying mm-hmm. to keep the laser pointer on something. But I I remind people quite often that the number of people, especially in the modern military, that are actually on the front lines firing a weapon is very much a small percentage of the military um you know unless we go into some 
huge ground kinetic warfare. I mean, the people who are actually doing the fighting is like, you know, less than 10% of the military, but it takes the rest of the 90% to support them doing what they're doing. Because uh, every time a, a jet aircraft is in the air, I mean, it, you're, every hour it's in the air is like 20 man hours of maintenance on that thing. So if it's flying an eight hour mission, I mean, you've got two weeks of worth of work just for one person to maintain that aircraft during that time. So, I mean, it just takes a massive amount of people to, to make sure that these machines run and, and, and all of that. So, uh, and you might be close to the front or in a forward operating base, but you're not firing bullets, but you're loading missiles onto planes, you're greasing some grease dirt in some tank or, you know, whatever it is. I, there's just tons of people behind the scenes making sure that the frontline troops can do what they do, and we're thankful for all of them. Yeah, let's see. Oh, my next one is uh, the 2019 film Midway. Um, now, there is an older Midway with like uh, uh, Henry Ford's in that. and uh, Yeah, I saw that one. I did not see the new one. Uh, yeah, and, and that one's good, but um, it focused more on the... Um, I don't know. The the sequences in it are it just felt wonky. And it, it's a solid movie, but this updated one, Midway, oh, it is great. It is it is a really good picture of what happened, especially with modern uh you know, there's been more documents released and in, in such about all the nuances from both sides of the the Battle of Midway. So it's a great picture of it. It's a it's a healthy watch as far as a time commitment to watch, but it is, uh, it's well acted. Not a lot of like huge, uh, stars in it or anything, but, uh, in the, the, the graphics in it are pretty good. Uh, but I, I thought I like it. I think it's a good uh, picture of what happened, uh, during that epic battle in the Pacific and, uh, in the luck that was involved in it. I just, uh, that, you know, that one of our uh, planes just stumbled upon the Japanese fleet at just the right time when there was a carrier in just the right area just uh, speaks to a lot of providence in there, I think. And uh, to help, uh, if that battle had went the other way, um, you know, who knows what could have happened uh, for the rest of the Pacific theater of war. But that that's definitely a battle that uh, kind of flipped the script on what was going on post Pearl Harbor and helped the U S uh, get closer to uh, winning the war for sure. But this is a great movie to watch, uh, especially if you're into, uh, I guess you can kind of see on my list as I'm looking at it. A lot of uh, the movies that I like just deal with very short periods of time you know, within a larger war. So, and this is one of those, it's, it's a good watch and, uh, I encourage people to watch it. Uh, your next on the list is one that I was going to put in my honorable mentions, which is Bridge on the River Kwai. Um, yep. This I is. I think I've only seen it once. Really? But I, I was, and I was young. Yeah. Um, it and is. of course, at first it was like Obi Wan Kenobi's in it. You know, <laughs> Alec Guinness is the main, one of yeah. the main characters, and yeah. I'm sure that's what drew me to it. But. I couldn't look away. It was just fascinating showing that kind of uh, peek behind the curtain of uh, prisoners of war yeah. 
And in this case, Japan, you'll notice mm -hmm. my next one is Germany. Mm -hmm. um, and how they kept them busy uh, and kind of from going nuts, which is yeah. a problem with yeah. uh, prisoners of war. And uh, Give it on purpose. I, yeah, and, and gave them purpose and made them valuable also. Mm -hmm. So it's... It's kind of an interesting thing where if you haven't seen it, I'm sorry, you've had a long 50, 60 years to watch it. So 57, <laughs> I think. It's a, um, and it's it's beautiful. Oh, know, yeah. It's, it's done so well. David Niven's um, in it too, right? Oh, he, yeah. Is he? Yeah, I think he is. Is he down a little bit? I, I take your word for it. I don't see him. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of. That doesn't mean not, he might have a smaller part. But uh, William Holden and Alec Guinness are the big ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I don't know how to put it. Basically, Alec Guinness kind of knows that this is good for his men. So he encourages them and demands that they get behind this project to build this bridge. And it does give him purpose and it does make him kind of sane. But at the same time, the other faction within knows they have to destroy this bridge because it has military value and mm -hmm. they're supposed to try to escape. Yeah. And uh, so, sorry, spoiler, um, Guinness, Colonel Nicholson is his name in there. He totally turns on him mm -hmm. and tries to destroy the people trying to destroy the bridge because that purpose has kind of flipped over in his head. Yeah. And it became everything that's mean, meaningful to this guy. I mean, you can hardly blame him, too. You feel so bad. But the interesting part is they shoot him and he falls on the plunger that yeah. that that blows up. I cannot believe it. I remember this from like the 80s. So you, you know it it really stuck with me. Um, I, probably when we first got HBO, it was on. Huh. Um, uh, way back when in Roanoke. <laughs> um, <laughs> my little town, my little hometown. But um, oh, it, was just, it was great. And it, again, it's... It's always got to be about the people mm -hmm. in the situation, in yeah. the place. Um, yeah. I'll save my next thought for the next, my next movie. But it's a, yeah. It's, you I know, think it's from my next movie. This is a movie that, um, uh, it, it needs to be watched on a big screen because it's, it's an epic thing. I didn't include it on the list because it's not. I mean, it focuses on a prisoner of war camp. It's not really a military. I mean, it's military, but it's not like a fighting movie. So that's why I kind of took it off the list. Yeah, uh, but I can see that. But it is, uh, yeah, just well acted, uh, great storyline, and you just you feel for the men there. Um, and of course, we have an iconic whistle that comes out of that movie, right? That uh, oh yeah, that that tune that they're always whistling. Um, I won't try to duplicate it here because I don't whistle. Oh, I thought that was from the other one. Uh, I thought it was Bridge on the River. I Quiet. thought it was from the next one. We'll find out. Oh, yeah. Tune in next week, which is I the next minute. <laughs> Unless you're talking about the Monty Python. Uh, no, no, no. Song. There's a when they would march in Bridge yeah, on the River Kwai, they would do that whistle. Oh, is it the? It's the Comet song. Y yeah, something like that. It, yeah. Yeah. It's a comment song because that's the only way I remember it. <laughs> I was a little whippersnapper. Uh, 
Ah, okay. Please continue. Yeah. So my next one is A Bridge Too Far, uh, which is uh, another moment in time. This is just a star-studded affair, if you uh, have ever seen it. It, uh, You name any big star of the 70s and 80s are in this movie. Um, So it's just got a really wonderful cast. And uh, the, uh, let's see, who's all in this? Michael Caine's in it, Anthony Hopkins, uh, Robert Redford's in it. Just I just got a huge cast. All James Kahn's in it. Um, just a ton of people. Um, of course, this is just focuses on Operation Market Garden, uh, which was the big push right before the last winter of the war, which would become the battle of the bulge this was a a big push to try to um, put the germans on their heels and then there's this one long highway that goes up to holland and so they're parachuting in and have this big combined attack up along this road that has to happen in a certain sequence and um that's the one with david niven in it we're going to ask that from every movie. Now. Yeah, you know, every time. Because he, <laughs> he's been in so many movies. Sean Connery's in it. And I don't see his name on the list. I don't remember who plays Montgomery. Uh, I'll have to look. See, now deeper. I know I've seen that one too, but I'm not remembering it. So I've, yeah. I've seen it's, everything it, so far. So, it, yeah, it, it's uh, the. They don't show any really that much of the German side of it, but it it does show a great picture of the interplay between the Allied commanders. Of course, Eisenhower's the supreme Allied commander, but um, you know Montgomery from um, from Britain, you know, wanted to be the supreme Allied commander, and they they kept throwing him a bone a lot. That comes out in the Patton movie too. I was just going to say that's the from Patton too. That was yeah, one of the more they, interesting parts. They were both just had their nose bent out of shape because I want to go in right. first. Yeah. We promised, we promised Montgomery could have Italy. Right. Yeah, or, we, or uh, yeah. He was going to get the. It's actually, he gets it's actually really funny. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, because Patton gets there before he does and just kind of, <laughs> they just kind of <laughs> needle each other, don't they? But this, yeah. Um, I think there's there's one or two other movies that kind of show Market Garden too, but the this is just a really good solid movie uh, showing in a, a period of time where the Allies were kind of on their heels, but this you know was one of those big offenses offense offensives that they did to try to push the Germans back, which it pretty much did. The part of the movie that's really uh, interesting to me is uh, Anthony Hopkins. Uh, of course, they're they're just flashing through different parts of Operation Market Garden, and they just keep going back to Anthony Hopkins and his little group that's taken over a small town up in Holland. When they first go to the town, the town is complete. By the end of the movie, the town is just rubble because uh, they uh, just keep having to to go. And then they, you know, they they got to blow up a bridge to keep the Germans from coming across. And it just, uh, you know, Anthony Hopkins is just a great actor. And just that, those scenes, and then the scenes with Sean Connery trying to infiltrate some areas are, are really well, really well done. Uh, is a heck of a time commitment to watch it. 
uh, I don't remember quite how long it is, but I was done in 77. Oh, it's not Robert Redford. It's Ryan O'Neill that's in it. Uh, oh, no, he is in there. Robert Redford's in there, too. Uh, I'd have to look at the IMBD to see how long it is. But it, it's a, it's, I think it's one of those three-hour jobs from way back then. But um, at the end of the movie, uh, the movie gets its name where Montgomery goes. Well, I always thought we planned to go a bridge too far because <laughs> they didn't quite get the whole thing done. And, I, you know, and you just see the look on other people's faces like, we're going to slap you, uh, but we can't. So, <laughs> so your next one on the list is the Great Escape. Yep, Great Escape. Another one that uh, kind of stays with you. And like I said, this is Prisoner of War from the other side mm -hmm. of the World War II theater. Um, fantastic cast. I just realized that one of the people I thought was in it isn't in it. Oh, did you think this was the Harrison Ford one? No, no, no. I thought uh, I thought McDonald. I thought he was uh, Richard. Um, or I thought he was Peter O'Toole, maybe. Anyway, I thought uh, he was somebody else, maybe Gordon Jackson. But yeah, it's got Steve McQueen again, James Garner, Richard Attenborough. I'm reading it from IMDb. Don't be impressed. Charles Bronson, <laughs> Donald Pleasance, uh, James Coburn, David McCallan, who was also in a Man from Uncle TV show. Oh, yeah. Um, it's just tons of, oh, not just, okay, just tons of people in it. Great. Um, again, you've got another song, which is the, uh, that's been it's been imitated so much. Dun, 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 dun. Oh yeah, that, that's the whole the other music from that. But also, um, they're not put to work really, but they know as a whole camp that their duty is to escape. The duty of every prisoner is to escape, and I I believe I've been told this isn't true, but it really seems like it's the inspiration for Hogan's Heroes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it feels very, very similar. Yep. Um, not as goofy, obviously. Yeah. But they and they no build tons of tunnels. Shots. They get they get found out. Yep. Steve McQueen gets keeps getting thrown in uh, the the cooler, which is you know their <laughs> yeah. their prison, which is really funny. Actually, there's a ton of funny stuff in there. There's a ton of really heartbreaking stuff. Um, Richard Attenborough, of course, is the guy from Jurassic Park. Spare no expense. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> and he's kind of the leader of everything. <laughs> Um, and yes, how he keeps Hammond. pushing it, and eventually, they just shoot him. <laughs> yeah. They just murder him, yep. which is which is sad. But you're like, well, that's true. Yep. Um, and so many. I don't want to go on too much, but it's it's really good. James Garner, is such a scoundrel. <laughs> yeah. Just this this scoundrel Pete, where he just he's always um on the job. He's always kind of. It just reminds me of my good friend, uh, John Walker, you know, rest mm -hmm. in peace. Yeah. He, he, we would always say you could sell, uh, um, you could sell a popsicle to Eskimos. You know, he just, <laughs> just this charismatic yeah. trader at one time, John told me, and I'm sure James Garner's character that, um, he had a line of trades, like 11 things long. Like he was going to give a paper clip to Joe, and mm -hmm. Joe was going to give him a pencil. He's going to give a pencil to Gene, and Gene, you know that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And eventually, the guy at the end gets like a sports car. It was about <laughs> yeah. that silly. It was, 
um, where he would set up deals. And that's just who he always reminded me of is that kind of that scrounger, that uh, lovable, uh, uh, well, like I said, scoundrel. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's and James Garner just has that look on his face like, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just, and Charles Bronson, this I don't know if this is one of his first ones, but he played a French guy who was claustrophobic, mm-hmm. but they're tunneler. Yeah. And that was fascinating. <laughs> and of course, it, everything's ironic. Yeah. Donald Pleasance is the forger who gets uh, progressive is myopia. Yeah. So all of a sudden he can't see. Right, right. <laughs> um, it's been, a, you're, you're talking it's, about it's it. It's good. To, it's been it's a while so since I've watched it and. Yeah, it's just all ringing true as you're, as you're yeah. talking. And Steve McQueen, the reason he keeps getting thrown in the in the cooler, I sorry, I have to say it like that every time, <laughs> is because he's the king of distractions, yeah. not the cooler king. Yeah. So he he does thirty days in a cell by himself, so that they can get you know twenty yeah. seconds of somebody. Yeah. I don't even sneaking, remember the situation. Yeah, just sneaking by somebody. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> it's so good. It's it's kind of like a heist movie. Mm-hmm. And like you say, it, it's not really a war movie, but it is because yeah. there's so much violence, and they have to they have to integrate into the society to escape the society. Yeah, it's it's, it's cool. It's a good good movie. I love yeah, it. and I I had heard, and I never looked up looked it up, but I had heard that it was the inspiration for Hogan's. At least that's the okay. Whether whether it is or not, I guess I'd have to do a little research on that. Well, if it wasn't. Um, Maybe the guy who wrote Hogan's Heroes was asleep and it was on TV. <laughs> yeah, and it just um, it just came to <laughs> through him. osmosis. Yeah, <laughs> I've got an idea. And, and it's Stalak uh, three and yeah. thirteen, of course. Yeah. Is, um, yeah, yeah. I can't remember, but good <laughs> stuff. It just they can't make. Well, they try to make movies like this nah, anymore. It just but doesn't work. It's tough. Yep, it's tough. The ensemble movies are the hardest movies to do. Yeah, the well, closest we've come recently is it, it, some people say, "Well, Oceans, uh, yeah. uh, Avengers." Avengers is the best ensemble. Movie That's in like the, last the best decade. modern. Yeah, yeah, it's because you have almost mostly A-list actors sharing the spotlight, yeah. and that's hard to do, right? And um, you, you got to have a good script. Yeah, you know, I know really the writers are on strike, but if it's not a good script, you just can't make it work. Once again, this is turning into my, I'm going to watch that movie next week. <laughs> there you go. Or while I'm gone, or maybe while yeah. I'm driving, I'll let it play. I won't watch it, don't worry. Yeah. We had some driving coming up. So. Well, when, once you've seen a movie enough, you can listen to it in your mind. Oh, it's, that becomes a podcast movie. That's right. <laughs> okay. So my, next one on my list is on your list, too, which is Full Metal Jacket. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So another uh, great 80s movie. Uh, dealing with the Vietnam War, um, uh, Marine Corps uh, recruits going through basic training, boot camp, and then, of course, getting shipped off to Vietnam. And, of course, you have uh, some great stars in it. Uh, Vincent DeFornio's in there. Um, mm-hmm. What's his, his name just left me. Vision Matthew, Quest Bo- Matthew Bodine's in it. And, and, of course, this is the birth of uh, uh, Lee Army. Yep. Oh, man. That guy is just just the stereotypical drill instructor isn't he just over yep. the top and uh you know the, and adam baldwin from uh, oh, firefly that, fame james yeah, right yep he's that's in there his, yeah he was really young in that animal mother yeah that's right <laughs> that was a, it was a great role for yeah. him. i mean that's always the role he is but yeah he you know quite 
uh, branch out of that kind of character, but <laughs> actually, that, oh, that, but, that character is what he plays in Firefly, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and, and the the ship and everything. Oh, but yeah, yeah, you know, it's amazing that we didn't realize what a national treasure D'Onofrio is. Mm-hmm. Has he ever done anything bad? I mean, he was on Law and Order or whatever for yeah. years. But he I was great watch, on there. Yeah, he's great in everything. Oh, he's yeah. just—he was the kingpin. Yeah. And it's like, oh, look, there's the kingpin. You don't go, oh, look, it's Vincent yeah. D'Onofrio playing the kingpin. Right. It's like, oh, it's the kingpin. He looks like Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like it's an actor. He's a Gary Oldman, <laughs> right? You know, like, oh. A, a little bit, yeah. yeah. And, and then, of course, he's always in his Egger suit. <laughs> From Men in Black. That's right. Sorry, I'm off on a tangent now. Oh. I was watching another, what made me think of this, I was watching uh, Rubicon recently. Oh, if you've okay. ever seen that. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I've. I know um, what it's about. It's interesting. It's slow, kind of a slow yeah. burn. But the guy who was Private Cowboy was in it. Oh, okay. Uh, Arliss Howard. He's not related to the Howards. But it's like, that dude, he's he's kind of a littler guy. But mm-hmm. he's always plays a... <laughs> anyway, I didn't realize who he was. It was just like, who the heck is that guy? Who oh, the heck is that guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, once you... And then, of course, yeah, Lee Ermey, who is yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, he was playing himself, right? But he put himself in that role. And that that I don't, you would know. Um, I heard that he was supposed to train the actor. Yeah. The, and eventually, they just said, "Why don't you just do it?" Well, and part and of so good. Part of what made it into the movie, he he didn't script anything he was saying. None of that was scripted. So they wow. just. They were they were telling him, you know, show us what this would look like, uh, for the for the most part, um, and he just started going up and down the rows of the the squad bay, just doing his thing, <laughs> and they they had the they had the cameras rolling, uh, which is why a lot of it's wide shot, um, and then they had to go back and do some of the close ups, and of course the scene where he has the. Uh, uh, Vincent DeFornio choke himself on his hand. That was scripted, but um, the the rest of that was uh, kind of not even B roll. It was just uh, let's film him doing this so we can teach actors how to do it. And it ended up being, you know, we're just going to keep that, and he's going to be the character now. So I mean, you just can't beat it. I he just went over the top, and, uh, and that probably explains some of the. I mean, they're all actors, yeah. but you could feel that tension. Oh, yeah. And uh, those... when he's yelling at him, and, and I really related to that. Oh, yeah. Not that my basic training was anything <laughs> like this. No. But... but it has softened quite a bit since then and then since our time, too. Yeah. Um, Here's my card. Um, that's like camp. Yeah. <laughs> so... You know, I did, uh, when my, one of my boys went through army boot camp, yeah. And I went down for his graduation and he's like, oh yeah, I got to do this and blah, blah, blah. And I pulled one of his sergeants aside and said, hey, you know, what's up with this? I, you know, thought we were, you know, trying to harden these guys up and build them into a team and all that. And they're like, oh yeah, we've kind of changed our tactics. And when they go to tech school, that's where it gets a little tougher. But here we just, you know, we just want them to experience a life, you know, experience a lot of different things. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Then, you know, they barely got yelled at or any of that. It was more about, you know, rah, rah. So, well, you know, I guess it works. We're still out there. But, <laughs> I don't know. 
but yeah, you're right. Uh, now, of course, this movie came out before we went to basic training. We had both of us went mm-hmm. to basic training in '87. I don't yep. know. Uh, did you pull the IMDb up on it? Yeah. No, what year? Because it, it, it came out in '85. Uh, 80, oh, 87. Oh, it, did, we must have saw it like right before. Yeah, I what think great timing. Right we we must have saw it like right before yeah. it came in or right after we got out. Yeah. So, so yeah. And it, it has a wonderful soundtrack as well. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Go, you know, just get the soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack of the era. And, uh, uh, especially when they play these boots are made for walking. I, they just timed a lot of the music perfectly with the movie. Uh, some of the chants are on the uh, soundtrack too, that they're, they're doing while they're marching, you know, which are some, and those chants are 100% authentic. Oh yeah, way. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I'm pretty <laughs> sure I, ch- I shouted part of many of them. Yes, I don't know about yes. all of them. Yeah. Yeah. So some of them are a little more Marine Corps centric, but yep, they're there. Uh, next on your list is the hunt for red October. Yeah. So talk about changing gears. So yeah. I wanted a cold war movie too. Yeah. And this was one of the few, uh, Das boot was good. Yeah. But this is one of the few, uh, kind of, well, I'll say submarine, but, um, just ocean based yeah. combat, water based combat. Mm-hmm. And of course it's, it's Tom Clancy. So it's, yeah unbelievably insightful and so forth and, and it, it's not the, a true story but if this was no <laughs> if, if this was I, a, I don't know about you when i saw this because i had read the book first mm-hmm. and i thought that they did a really good job doing mm-hmm. it but i remember reading the book going how did he find this out right and yeah. tom clancy does it in every it's like they were saying something about communication at one point i'm like how, how does he know that right and it's not a secret but he would have had to really dig in and learn some stuff to find out these little intricate things. Oh yeah, it's what gives that story so much life and um, feasible. And it, it's funny some people will say, um, "Well, you know, it's all fear mongering for uh, Red Storm Rising, which was one yeah. of the earlier ones." Well, it didn't happen. It's like, well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. He was. It was a warning. Like 1984 right. didn't happen either. Or right. Did it? Um, it's a warning that things can happen. Um, but anyway, I, I really loved the, the silent sub thing. I mean, nobody was ever talking mm-hmm. about that. I really loved, um, even though clearly, uh, uh, Sean Connery wasn't, didn't have a Russian accent. I mean, that, <laughs> yeah. he, he tried and he was, he, it worked, it worked. Yeah. And it, you know, these things don't respond to bullets, <laughs> bullets, um, it was great. You were in the water with them. It was yep. it was great, and uh, you felt getting the, an eye. Yeah, you felt uh, the like tension he, of the moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, or uh, like the Navigator, mm-hmm. they had these ultra precise maps, and they don't look out the window. They yeah. can't see out the window. So, yeah, it was pretty fascinating. Yeah, they uh, you liked, know a I lot of a lot. lot of you know Tim Curry's in it, uh, Sam Neill. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, just uh, there's a whole bunch of actors in there that you've seen all over the place, and uh, yeah, just, just a great movie. This is when uh, I don't like Alec Baldwin in general as an actor, uh, mm-hmm. but this movie and Beetlejuice are probably the only two movies I really like him in. <laughs> 
Um, actually, so. I don't like him either. But as an actor, I like almost everything he's in. Honestly, yeah. well, the movies are great. He's an I actor. Just, yeah, I just don't <laughs> yeah. appreciate. It. And uh, a buddy of mine, uh, uh, Matt, we were just talking about this today, and he he had always said he was the best Jack Ryan. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that, he did. said that twenty some years ago, and he is. Yeah. I love Harrison Ford, but. I yeah I didn't think Harrison Ford did it. I Harrison Ford just right. a Alec good. Baldwin was perfect. Yeah, he's yeah. a good actor, but yeah. And Chris Chris uh, Pine. Uh, well, but that movie he didn't have a fair yeah. chance. And actually, and what's his bucket? Affleck was. Who's yeah. the guy that did the series? Oh, um, I can't remember his name, but that's uh, yeah. the one on. Uh, oh, the first season was great. First season is amazing. I, I he did a yeah. really good job, but yeah, I think I uh, Alec Baldwin he did jack ryan perfectly um so we're gonna go through a few on my list because we've done all of yours lists except your number one movie which is mine too so oh yeah um, oh is john krasinski by the way oh yeah john krasinski yeah from the office yeah he got bulked up for that role he looks great yeah Uh, he looks big he's married to um uh emily blunt emily blunt yeah yeah emily blunt i'm not saying that's because he bulked up but uh Probably didn't hurt. Yeah, probably didn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's Mary Poppins now. Um, so uh, my next one is Enemy Enemy at the Gates, uh, which is uh, oh, that's good. That's the Russian one, right? Yeah, this is from the Russian side of the the story. Yeah. It's a sniper movie. Um, just a whole bunch of great acting in it. Just uh. It is a great interplay about um, just, uh, yeah, it starts with the invasion on Stalingrad. Um, but man, just, this is a well-acted movie. Just a great actor. You got Jude Law, uh, Joseph Finnis, Rachel Weiss, Bob Hoskins, Ed Harris, Ron Perlman. Uh, um, just a whole bunch of great people in the movie. It is a great picture of what the Russians went through uh, during this time, and that this um, you know interplay there uh, with Ed Harris uh, being the German sniper and uh, Jude Law being the uh, Russian sniper, and they're trying to get each other, and they know each other's there, and this this whole dynamic between the two is it uh, it is really well filmed. Uh, interesting look. Of course, the Russians went through just horrific conditions fighting the Germans and um, much worse than the Allies ever did. Uh, and millions of people died in Russia um, oh, yeah. throughout this time. So they the loss of life on the Russian side far outweighed uh, anybody on the Allied side, that's for sure. My next one on the list. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say, I, I empathize with them when they talked about how one guy would carry a bullet and one guy would carry a gun. Uh, yep. And if the other guy died, you just picked it up. Yep. And then also just being faced with that kind of, well, you know, 10, 10% of you are going to live through this. Yep. Kind of like when we go to war, that's what our enemies feel. Mm-hmm. You know, like six, uh, six, um, Special forces, you know, oh, we killed 250 people. We were right. afraid we were running out of ammunition. Like, what does that do to your morale? To oh, your yeah. Morale. Uh, so that's just kind of what came, I came away with. Anyway, uh, go absolutely. ahead. Absolutely. 
Well, and that kind of plays into the next movie I'm talking about is uh, We Were Soldiers. Um, oh, yeah. You know, this is a Mel Gibson movie. Again, there's a whole bunch of actors in, in this movie. It's about 20 years old now, but still holds up. I watched it recently. Um, first big battle uh, between the uh, North Vietnamese and the United States, and uh, I think this 66 is when this uh, took place, uh, this first battle. Uh, deals with about uh, 72 hours. In uh, most of that time, the soldiers in that period of time didn't sleep. And uh, it, it also flashes back across the world to see what their wives are going through and uh, the, uh, the missteps by the Department of Defense sending, uh, you know, Western Union telegrams to wives and via yellow cab drivers to tell them that their uh, husband had died. Um, just, uh, yeah, I, the leadership of of the colonel that is played by, uh, which is Harold Moore, which is played by Mel Gibson, just phenomenal. Uh, de- also deals with the reporters. Uh, so there's a reporter that decides to get embedded with the troops during this battle, but then also the the reporters coming up immediately in the aftermath. And one of them the goes up to the Mel Gibson c- character. They just finished fighting. Artillery is still firing in the background. She asks, did you contact the families yet <laughs> of the soldiers who died? It's like, oh, you know, just the idiocracy of that is amazing. But it was a small force compared to the, I mean, there's like 4,000 North Vietnamese and just a few hundred Americans. And if it wasn't for air power, um, those guys wouldn't have survived, which the North Vietnamese didn't have it, uh, a strong air power at that point in time. So, um and that's the thing is it was a small force, but air, air, air power is a huge multiplier. That's for sure. But there's some really uh, epic scenes in this war movie. Uh, one of them where there's, um, you know, fr- a friendly fire episode where one of the planes drops napalm on the American troops. And, uh, you know, they're trying to move some of the men that are on fire or just got burned and like their skins coming off their legs. It just really shows the tragedy of war shows really well that what the North Vietnamese went through and what the Americans were going through at the same time and the strategies behind this battle. Um, but that full picture of their wives uh, also going through the war with their husbands, you know, even though they're eight, 10,000 miles away, just really beautiful picture of that and a good, good sense of it there's some great deleted scenes that everybody should watch um and sam elliott's in it as this uh, first sergeant that's just uh, just a terror and uh has some great lines in there so uh, always recommend this movie uh just a great show i don't know have you seen it oh yeah in oh, fact yeah. um i was speaking talking with my wife about the list today i was like, oh. Ah, thinking about and she brought up this one. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, um, I think one of it's the more heartbreaking parts was when they're pinned down for like a day, mm-hmm. just getting shot at constantly. Yeah, and that just again, it's one of those things that just stays with. Yeah, you. and the guys just can't sleep. Yeah, just yeah. And there, there's one scene where the the guys are sitting there, and the one guy goes, "I know they're here. I can smell them." And then they they call artillery and to send a flare up. It's in the middle of the night, and the flare shoots, and the like the Viet Cong is like 
boom, right there. They're everywhere. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. all around them. And yeah, it's just, you just, you get drawn into this. It's, you know, a two and a half hour movie, but it feels like it goes by in a heartbeat because you're just drawn into it. And of course, this is a, mm-hmm. a movie where Mel Gibson calls broke, Broken Arrow. And, uh, sorry, getting emotional about it. Mm. You know, you just feel for them. You know, so obviously. Yeah, they're yeah. they're super desperate. And it's just. Yeah. Broken Arrow means of, a, of yeah, going getting on. overrun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you, you just get drawn into this movie emotionally. So it's. it's uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, next on my list is uh, another Mel Gibson movie, The Patriot. Um, so just ah, that's on my uh, that's on my second on uh, your second page. list, yeah. The Patriot, yeah. Um, so yep, yep, yep. What a great yeah, another movie full of actors that we all know and and uh, it, so I think this movie's it's I think it came out in two thousand. Um, wow, just a great picture of the American Revolution and what people were doing the fight the British during that time. I think it's a great overarching kind mm-hmm. of historical lesson, but some mo- very moving moments uh, throughout the movie. Uh, Mel Gibson, you know, just a strong family man, but also a leader of this uh, ragtag, you know, kind of special operations force, <laughs> as I think about it. Uh, more vigilantes, I guess, on the side. But, um, yeah, I, you know, you got the family pictures, Heath Ledger's in it, uh, and uh, just the, what the families went through, you know, a little bit of what the British were going through, but definitely what the colonists were doing, fighting back. And uh, there's that epic battle at the end uh, where the troops are retreating, but Mel Gibson grabs the flan and flag and just says, hold the line and keeps pushing forward and all the troops reverse direction and, uh, you know, wins, wins the battle there in the end. So yeah, it's just a very good movie, uh, well acted and well written. But doesn't he goad them into attacking what, what they think are the weak forces? Yeah. Yeah, they, and they're not the weak forces. They're not, yeah. <laughs> yep. But, hey, you know, there's not a better movie about uh, cannonballs ripping people's legs off. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's... Whenever you see the uh, Revolutionary War type era, yeah. where they're walking in lines, Civil War did a little too. Yeah. Uh, you're just going, wow, okay, that took guts. Oh, yeah. It all takes guts, but you're just like, okay, we've got all these targets to hit. Yeah, and they know those old flint rifles, they couldn't really fire straight. So, <laughs> you know, whoever you aimed at, you're probably hitting Ooh. two guys to the right or left. Oh, yeah, yeah just uh, wow. All right, well, the, the last movie on both of our lists is the same one. So you mm-hmm. want to say which one it is? Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. It's It's the whole package. Is, is why it's uh it's character development it's it's theme it's gritty realism it's uh world war ii of course um you just you care about everybody almost instantly and you just feel what's going on and you're there for the whole invasion yeah right and um and while it seems silly to risk all those people to save one man mm-hmm who kind of 
I don't want to say not important, but he's just another soldier. Yeah. And of course he was Matt Damon, but um, <laughs> he's another one. I don't care for him, but yeah. he's a good actor for yeah. the most part. So, um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. Well, yeah, <laughs> so. it's the risk of those lives to save a family line is, you know, it's not about the one guy. It's about the family. Right. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, this is looking more in, in the past where our country is very patriarchal so to speak, where the family name is carries with the, with the sons, uh, which, you know, and still kind of a convention right now, but it's, you know, less, less that less, not as strong as it was back then. But, uh, you know, the first half hour, 45 minutes of this movie are so intense. Um, yeah, it's to think about what all those men went through at D day. And I, Spielberg did it well. I mean, you you get a full sense of what the D-Day invasion was about in uh, Operation Overlord. So it, just a phenomenal, wow, uh, just a phenomenal beginning to the movie. Uh, the end of the movie is uh, heart-wrenching, too, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's talking to his family, you mean? Yeah, the at the cemetery present, and yeah, asks his wife, is it? you know tell me i've been a good man and all that wow yeah. if you you don't walk away walking those scenes without you know charlie brown eyes i don't know you you got you don't have a heart uh that's a yeah. difficult thing yeah but it, yeah it is the complete package you got all kinds of um just nuances throughout the movie that uh it just keeps you enthralled through the whole thing uh you're just totally bought into the characters right away. Uh, you know, of course, Tom Hanks is just, you know, wonderful. And uh, you, you feel for what he's going through, especially right at the end when he gives his life. So uh, just uh, that last battle is um, just tremendous. Um, and actually, the sniper, the guy that's up in the tower, in, yeah, say, the taller. Yeah, yeah he's also he's the reporter that was in We Were Soldiers. Um, oh, really? Yeah, the guy, the reporter that survives. <laughs> he's sitting there, and he's like the Sam Elliott, the Plumley Sergeant, and We Were Soldiers, just going back a movie or two. You know, he throws a M sixteen at him, and and then the character looks up at him and says. I'm a non-combatant, and Plumley says, "Ain't ain't no such thing today, boy." <laughs> you know, <they're> like <laughs> we're all gonna. You better fight for your life. So he barely makes it through. But yeah, saving. You know, just a, what a wonderful picture too of military strategy. Uh, there's that scene where the two guys are fighting in an upper room, uh, a German and an American, and uh, the German ends up stabbing uh the american and he's trying to beg for his life but then there's that one you know the kind of wimpy character that's on the stairwell and the german just kind of runs by him and they have that eye contact knowing that that was going on just you know 20 25 feet away and he could have intervened and saved you know his buddy's life but he didn't um you know and and then the of course the uh, german that they capture but they let go ends up, you know, back with those troops fighting against them. So there's just oh, all those little right. interplays in there that are just, uh, you know, they're all little little decisions that have big impacts on people's lives, right? And I think that's what 
Saving Private Ryan is all about is we make these little decisions to help other people out and or or they don't and every every decision we have has a consequence um and uh and i think that's the big story out of that and so at the end of the movie when he says to his wife tell me i've been a good man that's really all about that was i made a bunch of decisions early on because these other people gave me that chance that i did i make the right decisions you know, to get me to this point. And that's the big story there. And that's the, the big thing really going into Memorial Day weekend, you know, and why we're talking about military movies. You know, May for me is military movie month, and so I sit and watch these movies a lot during this month in the lead up to Memorial Day to um, kind of remind myself a lot about history. Of course, the movies, you know, they you know I read a lot of books too, but the, the movies more or less get it right and give you some overarching feelings of the time. But um, uh, but it, it does help me get into the right spirit going into Memorial Day, Memorial Day, just being thankful for those who gave their lives to make sure the red, white, and blue still flies. Yep. I don't know what I can add to that. It's pretty yeah. good. But all these movies are about people. Yep. Even the ones that weren't so much about war, they're all about, and a good movie is about people that they have a story to tell and I don't know. I feel, I feel trite now, yeah. but um, they're all very, very interesting stories. The only thing I wish I could have stuck in there was a world war one movie. Oh. Yeah. And I, Mary brought up one yeah, in 1917. Uh, well, I think it's 1914, isn't it? There was, was a 1917. Was that the uh, one they just did a really few years recent. ago? Yeah, really recent. And I did see that, but um, where they had to carry the message. But the one that kept coming up to me was uh, Gallipoli. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. And another Mel Gibson movie where, but they're Australian. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, but um, I just remember that's like from the 70s. Oh, yeah. That was really good. Yeah, I've been Um, to the uh, cemeteries on the Gallipoli Peninsula. Oh, wow. Just really moving. Just, uh, yeah. Yeah. And they they still have some of the old trenches there, and you can see like where the trenches were and stuff. You could see the coastline where the the invasions were happening and stuff. Just uh, yeah, very moving moving place. Very now it's very peaceful, but um, you know you just get the heaviness of the area from the loss of life there. And and I hadn't seen all quite on the Western Front, which mm-hmm. would have I've heard. Yeah, I probably would have picked that's good. if I really wanted a World War One. I. Um, I can't believe you didn't have Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah, you know, I had it on there, then I took it off. I. Um, oh, I did too. It's still on my little yeah auxiliary list. It is a movie <laughs> I like. It is a great movie. Uh, just um, yeah. I, I guess I gravitate towards movies that talk about the moment rather than just one individual storyline. Outside of Patton, I guess. Um, when you look at my movie list, besides Patton, now Patton's a personal hero of mine, so I guess that's why it's on there. But if you look at the rest of my list, it's really not about one person. Uh, and Hacksaw Ridge is really about that one guy. So, um, But yeah, I, it, it's a must-see movie no matter what. Oh yeah, and certainly don't let me what to tell you what to put in your list. I just I was kind of expecting it. Like, well, you know, he was Spider Man. So that's right. <laughs> so 
That's the way it goes. Let's see and get the music. So that's about it for today. Uh, we want to thank everybody for uh, uh, being part of the show today. I'm going to get my uh, headphone level here a little better. There we go. Yeah, and uh, we want to thank everybody for joining us and listen to Tom and my conversation. We'll be back with another episode soon, uh, probably next, next uh, here in about 30 days, sometime in June. So we'll see you then. Uh, with that, I'm Scott and... And I'm Tom. Yeah. So goodbye from the Northern Latitudes and... So long and remember the Alamo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we want to thank you all again for joining us today. We'll see you next time. God bless you all. Be seeing you.